This is an urgent appeal from the Disasters Emergency Committee. Hundreds of thousands of people have fled their homes to escape conflict in Ukraine, leaving jobs, belongings and loved ones behind. They need shelter, food and water. You can help. To donate online, search DEC or text RADIO to 70150 to give £10. Thank you. Streaming 24-7, this is Brum Radio. Thank you for downloading this Brum Radio podcast. For more podcasts, visit brumradio.com. You're listening to Interval Theatre, the podcast. This week, I spoke to Samantha Womack and Chris Jarrod from The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe at the Alexandra about their roles as the White Witch and Aslan, who represent good and evil in this classic story. I'm Dave Massey. I'm joined on the telephone by Samantha Womack, who is in Birmingham uh, as the White Witch in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, which is at the Alexandra um, from the 8th today, which is the 8th of March until the 12th of March. Uh, Good afternoon, Samantha. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. Uh, Thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us. Uh, today. Um, I'm really excited that this production is going to be coming to Birmingham uh, all, all this week as we uh, play out this interview. Um, how uh, how did you first uh, approach uh, the story of The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe? Was it something that you remembered from childhood? Uh, was it books that you read or was, was it something you explored in different mediums? I definitely read it when I was a kid. Uh, probably read it when I was about nine or ten and then there was a famous children's TV series of it mm-hmm. when I was um, a young teenager. So I remember watching it, but um, I always remember loving the writing because I thought it was very dark. I liked the darkness in it, and I yes. think children really respond to that. So I was really excited to uh, to get offered to play the part of the White Witch. I, I think I first came to these as books, and then I did see a stage production in Birmingham when I was about nine or ten. And I can I can hardly remember anything apart from it, apart from the wardrobe. I don't. There's a, there's a. It's one of those ones that I I I was having a think about it coming as soon as it was coming uh, to Birmingham. I was like, right, I'm quite excited that this uh, production is going to be here. Um, I, I haven't uh, read very much in terms of what the production is going to look like. Uh, I've seen the photos um, that I've been sent from the tour. Um, did the look of the production uh, look different to what you'd imagined it might look like? I was really anxious that to, to, to speak to the director about that because he didn't really want it to look like a Christmas show. Mm-hmm. Or, um, and this is a very clever conception of the, the darkness of uh, Narnia. Uh, it's very, very minimal. Um, it's it's an abstract time, so we're not we're not specifying that it's um, a particular time in history. Yes. Although we are still talking about four children who are displaced. Uh, there were references to uh, the war with with some of the cruel's outfits, mm-hmm. leather and um, and helmets and things like that. But they're but mainly um, it's just a very modern. It reminds me of Mad Max or something like that. Mm-hmm. It looks very very modern and abstract. It, it, the lighting seems to be quite stark in some places. Um, does it feel like that when you're on the stage? It does, particularly for my bit. Um, the White Witch, all of the the, the stage is kind of uh, quite dark. There's lots of blues and greys and lots of dry ice. Uh, and she actually arrives instead of a traditional kind of sleigh. She's on a, it looks almost like a crane, like a kind of jib wow. that she stands on. And it looks like she's kind of floating above the air and, I get to fly at the end of Act One as well, which is amazing. There are posters all around the theatre at the moment ahead of your arrival. Uh, they, there was, they had a, a mural that they painted 
um, of Aslan outside of the theatre, and that's been there since since Christmas. Um, I heard about that. Is, is it weird to walk around towns and see your face on posters heralding your arrival? It's very weird, but it's also because my um, my partner is touring as well, and he's so he's in Birmingham at the moment doing face of attraction, and I oh. arrive next week. So we keep seeing each other's posters. We we see more of each other's posters than we do of the actual person. So that's quite funny. I so saw. It always feels weird seeing your same, you, you know, your face and your partner's yeah. face next to each other. That's strange. I actually saw Fatal Attraction last night. I I reviewed it last night. I really enjoyed it. Um, I didn't know the film and it was really quite, I I knew the story, but because it was really notorious. When I I was a kid, it was considered a naughty story. Um, So I'd never seen it when I was a kid, but um, I I really enjoyed seeing it. And um, it was, it's quite a dark, um, it made me feel quite uncomfortable in parts because it's quite a dark story. Um, Yeah, it is. It is. So it's uh... We're both doing dark stories in different ways, wow. but we keep seeing each other on posters, which is funny. That's brilliant. Just to, I, I imagine that's really encouraging, though, because it really says to me that theatre's back um, around. Um, I previously saw you in Birmingham uh, uh, for The Adams Family, uh, mm. which I checked and is actually five years ago. I was very surprised when I looked at how long ago oh it God, was. Is it really? Yeah, it, was, it looked like it was the end of 20, 2017, 2018. I think it was. Uh, I didn't realise it was that long ago. And uh, when it came round, I didn't get to review. I, I didn't get to review it on on your tour. One of my colleagues wrote the review for it, but I I really loved your performance as Morticia, Morticia in that production. So thank you for giving us your Morticia. Oh, thank you. It was very appreciated. When when you're doing this role, you get to sweep in and out of the stage quite a lot. How do you get into that role when you're sort of approaching it? Um, I mean, always with something where there's a big costume, it always helps. So just actually the kind of the, the witch's wig being put on and kind of spear-like crown um, paling down my skin um, and then a huge long fur coat. That really changes how you move and feel. Uh, and the music and the lighting, uh, the minute you kind of have all of that set for you, it kind of puts you in the zone, really, which is great. As a child, when I was watching TV, I uh, I was of the age where I saw the programme Rent-A-Ghost. And oh, yeah. the Rent-A-Ghost used to have um, uh, uh, Nadia Popoff in it, and it was Sue Nichols. And then in the evening, Sue Nichols would be in Coronation Street. And as a child, I would really not cope with the idea that uh, an actor was able to go into other performances or be other characters mm-hmm. you play two characters because you're playing mrs mccready in this production as well as the white witch in it do you think certain children might understand that you're playing different characters do you see those characters as being different characters and but, yeah but, i mean they're both there to scare and they're both there to set, set a tone and the tone should be quite foreboding uh you should feel as if you've kind of when the white witch appears as if you've somehow got a sense of her beforehand but it shouldn't be clear that it's mrs mccready in fact a lot of people don't know it's me playing the part because i've got a very different wig and a a thick scottish accent so (laughs) it should have a sense of foreboding but it shouldn't be obvious they might not necessarily notice if they're younger children in particular no um, exactly. My favourite scene in this production, in, in, in the story of the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe is the Turkish Delight scene. Mm. And I always, uh, growing up in Birmingham and having Cadbury's 
in our city and it being that's something that's like inherent in our city culture that was always the scene that i really enjoyed as a child where they were getting treats and the treats were taking edmund over to the dark side um as as an adult i always find the scenes later on at the stone table and those sorts of scenes to be the ones that i'm always most interested in was there any particular ones that you liked as a a child that you're seeing as an adult and you're thinking, great, I, I'm seeing this on stage now. Yeah, interestingly, I always like the Turkish Delights and I like watching how the witch kind of changed her tactic and changed her voice when she was trying to yes. seduce Edmund into the darkness. And so that kind of strange mix of very, very terrifying and then sickly sweet. Um, and I thought that that was a very clever cho- choice of, of sweet to give him and, and that he chooses because it's, heavily feminine and perfume mm-hmm. obviously he's missing his mother figure so there's a kind of femininity to that but it's also kind of quite sickly yes. um, so i think that's just a, again a typical c.s lewis perfect choice for the kind of sweet that she provides for him it's kind of very feminine but very sickly sweet one of my friends that i'm my, my friend that i'm bringing to see this production with me next week uh, she's an ex-jehovah's witness and she um, wasn't I was trying to explain to her about the Christianity uh, overtones within the line, the witch in the wardrobe. Yeah. Was that something that you became aware of uh, when you were younger or was it something that you discovered was there? I understood when I was younger that there were theology questions in it. So kind of good and bad, light and dark, um, living and dying I understood that they were very profound subject matters Um, and then later on I started to understand C.S. Lewis's relationship with religion Mm -hmm. uh, Christianity and also you know his relationship with Tolkien who uh, you know was also very very religious and so theology was a big presence in, in the book and I think that's I think that's a really good thing and I think it's not to be shied away from. I find it really fascinating and as I say, I did try and explain a little to her and I'm sure she's going to sit there and say, what do you mean? What, what's going on here? <laughs> um, when uh, uh, After this production uh, ends in May, um, have you been able to announce what production you might be going into next? Is that something that is out there I've in got, the public? No, at the moment I'm going to, so this has been quite a long tour Um so I'm going to take a little bit of time I mm-hmm. need to relocate. My partner and I just bought um, a property in Valencia. So we're going out there to relocate. Wow. And that will take a couple of months. And then hopefully maybe start thinking about going back to work um, at the end of the year. But it's uh, it's always too much to think about when you're in the middle of doing something. Oh, absolutely. Unless, I can imagine. Unless I, yeah, your brain just can't cope with it, really. Well, I, I hope you enjoy your time in Glasgow and welcome to Birmingham when you're in Birmingham as well. Um, oh. I, I'm sure it'll be a very fun fun week for you in Birmingham. Um, this production is one of the very few that is moved to 7pm 7, 7 when in general they all seem to be at 7.30. Um, does that help you get into the rest of your evening a little bit as well? I mean, it does and it doesn't. We, I mean, by the time we finished at kind of 9.30, we're... We're all pretty tired. We're doing a lot of matinees at, at, at the moment. We've kind of been very lucky where we've been selling out in most venues, so they've added extra matinees. Oh, yes. We're all pretty tired um, by 9.30. So, uh, no, it's, most of us just get straight back home to bed and prepare for the next day. 
Samantha, thank you so much for chatting to us about this today. Oh, thanks for having me. You're listening to Interval Theatre, the podcast. I'm joined on the telephone by Chris Jarrod, who is playing Aslan in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, which is, is at the Alexandra from the 8th to the 12th of March. And it's on tour across the UK until the 7th of May. Good afternoon, Chris. How are you doing today? Really well, thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me on your show. Your uh, double-length show. As we um, as as we're broadcasting this out, you'll have arrived in Birmingham as part of the UK tour. Um, you're just in Glasgow at the moment, um, uh, doing the the production this week. How's the how's the tour being received in Glasgow? It's, it's going down really well. It's a it's a, it's a real fun family show with it's full of spectacles. So it's. Uh... A lot of the work's done for us before we arrive, and uh, it, it's been a, good, a great night out. It's nice to see the theatres full again. I mean, we've been having toured around the country since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. We've been working in London for a few months, and you know, everywhere's struggling. So it's nice to see that spring is coming, not only in the line of which the wardrobe, but in the British theatre world, too. Now, this particular production, I've seen photos of it, but I haven't read very much apart from that. I've deliberately... Um, avoided seeing things until the point that I'm in the theatre. Um, on the photographs that I see, um, I, I, you, you are Aslan in front of Aslan, if that makes sense. Is that how? How would you describe the way that the, the that the character is portrayed? Yeah, there, there might well be a moment where I'll be in front of him, or to his side, or underneath him. We've we've tried to devise a way where puppet and human can coexist in a sort of exciting physical way mm-hmm. so there'll, there'll be um yeah it's worth, worth mentioning that aslan is both a six foot puppet which is manned by three excellent puppeteers mm-hmm. alongside myself who is sticking on the sort of humanity the regal humanity of the character and this is the thing about aslan as well is that he is this lion that is more than a lion uh, to a lot of audiences um do you think that showing Aslan in this way is uh, going to um, exceed the audience's expectations? Well, I'm not sure what their expectations are, but there's great clues in the text. When we're reading C.S. Lewis's book, there's a lot of indicators as to who Aslan is. Lucy asks, is he, is he safe? To which Mr. Tumnus responds, no, he's not safe, he's wild. But he's full of compassion and love, you know, there's... The, the positive qualities in him are really evident from the off, but nonetheless, he's a ferocious lion that can pounce at any minute. So there's, there's a, it's a great uh, dichotomy to play with, mm-hmm. having the puppet and myself achieving moments of real aggression, and then trying to find cool and stillness in that, either simultaneously or opposing each other at moments. So there's a lot of, it's a lot of play, and it was a lot of fun, sort of in rehearsals. What what sort of age were you when you first um, were aware of the line, the witch in the wardrobe? Well, when I, I think I've always, I think we've all always been aware of it. But I confess that I didn't read it as a child. I mm-hmm. was a big reader, and uh, my fantasy world took me down a sci-fi direction. So I was turned on by a good friend of mine recently to uh, the Dark Tower series, Stephen King. Mm-hmm. I really liked J.R. Tolkien when I was a kid, who was a friend of C.S. Lewis by all accounts. Yes. So I really liked that world. But this tale sort of eluded me until very recently so over the last year i suppose it's been a i've been 
sort of working through the backlog of Narnia. And had you have you seen other productions of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe yourself? I've never seen a production, and I've never seen the BBC. I've, I've not seen any of the televised or the filmed uh, versions. So no, I was a real novice. Dan Cookson put this put this production together, and it's a uh, it's a fascinating beast because this largely different creative team have devised this show in back in 2016 or 2017, mm-hmm. I believe, and now we have an almost entirely new creative team sort of pulling it in a in a different direction. So you've got these two sort of uh, heads of the pinnacle, I suppose, in Stanley Cookson and Michael Fentiman and their extended creative team, be it through movement, music, puppetry, who are all sort of using each other's fantastic ideas and wrestling with each other a little bit. So it's a, it's a real push and pull, I'd imagine, for creatively speaking. Um, the the arrival of um, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and Aslan in particular, was heralded outside of the Alexand- Alexandra Theatre. Um, there, there's as I was saying to um, Samantha earlier, there's a huge mu- mural that is um, outside of the building that you can go and stand next to, like a s- sort of a eight, I think it's about eight foot tall uh, mural that um, has Aslan on it. Um, do you think it's exciting seeing? Um, uh, it, it, theatre's presence back in the community and the fact that we can just go and see these touring productions at the moment oh yeah I think I think it's vital I mean I think we've all been um, across the country all been a little lost for some time now so that sense of community and belonging I guess which is small it's the sort of minutia we're in a very focused thing being in theatre but sort of reaches out to a huge demographic of people and has such a sort of profound impact, regardless of the genre, regardless of the style of theatre you're seeing. Just the, the fact that that is there is hugely helpful and inspirational to many. So it's, of course, and this being aimed at families, you know, young younger children, we've had a lot of school groups in, that's, nothing really trumps that for us and seeing the joy that 500 adolescents can can have from coming to the theatre hearing them leave the theatre sort of full of energy it's um, of course that's having a a really good impact it certainly did on me when I was a child it was put on my pull into wanting to work in the industry too this this production has uh, sold so so well that they've added extra matinees um, and I know the Birmingham extra matinee isn't the only extra matinee that's been added to the show how does it feel that um, it's sold that well that they're having to put on more performances. Oh yeah, that's always a always a lovely thing to hear that that we're we're doing our bit to keep the show running and that it's doing very well. That's a, it's a huge weight off all departments, I'm sure. Not not so much us. We're sort of the sheep that that follow the show where it needs to be. But I'm sure for the producers and the creative team, they're really happy to see lots of bums on seats. Uh, you you were previously in Birmingham uh, with a, a, a the tour for Amelie, I believe. Yeah, um, same theatre indeed. Yeah, how, years ago. how how um have you got any memories of being in Birmingham? Um, what what's it like coming to all these theatres around the UK? Um, y- yes, I do have lots of memories from various visits to Birmingham that I adore. I'm, I'm from Swansea, so it's uh I've always seen it as a perfect intermediary gap mm-hmm. wherever I am in the country. It's great. I, I've had many fantastic, fantastic weeks, be it through Amelie or through a knee-high show a few years before that. And, um, and it's, it's a treat. 
and it's always fleeting, you know, the the weeks are so, as, as I'm sure you're aware, the weeks are so full, especially when extra shows are added, that we arrive, the crew indeed have been there for 24 hours before us getting the set mm-hmm. in, that's a huge task, there's very little respite, so it's, uh, we're not on a tour bus, but it does very much feel like that mentality of hopping from one city to another, there's not much chance to bed in, so it's, uh, it's almost like a dream. We, we sort of find ourselves a month later going, hang on, let's retrace our steps because we haven't had a chance to breathe, really. Especially now, I mean, no more so. I think any company that's touring around the country is battling with a lot more obstacles than perhaps we had to battle three years ago. So everybody has to be really on their toes, front-footed, with hawk eyes, which many of our company members certainly have, which is a great asset. Do you have a um, a favourite uh, moment that you like to watch other people do while you're um, waiting in the wings for you to go on stage yourself during this oh, production? That's a, it's a really good question, but unfortunately, Michael Fenterman as a director is a tyrant in the best possible sense. <laughs> doesn't give anybody a, a breathing moment. You're lucky if you can get a swig of water in, <laughs> in the two hours. So there's very few opportunities because he well, loves, and it's great. We're all on board because yes. what he wants is to create this sort of real full sense of ensemble everybody's energy pouring into the action and the way we achieve that is by sort of being present and available oh wow hi that's smart yeah it's really engaging you know from the moment that curtain goes up at the start of the show i'd say for all 25 of us i think it's it's just two hours of running even backstage the backstage track if you had set up a camera in the wings or in our wardrobe area it's chaos it's not chaos, it's organised chaos. We yes, know exactly yeah. what we're doing and it's fine art now. So we have to renegotiate every week with local crew and local staff at the theatres. So the Tuesday we arrive, we're sort of still tweaking, still working things. There might be some lights and sound. Every theatre's different, so it's a real movable feast. And for, for, for young people coming to see this production, um, it might be their first uh, ever theatre experience. What, what would you say to those people coming along? What should they look out for? Everything. Just, I, I would implore you. I, I'm really encouraged. I don't think I felt that this was accessible to me as a kid to be sort of open to receive without judgment, without criticism. And I think, I think kids are really good at it today, coming and just observing, taking in, being uh, be open to be surprised and thrilled and scared, you know, in, embrace what the theatre has to offer you. There's a lot a lot of people's time and work have gone into sort of crafting this piece. So invest. Oh, you know, at the Aslan Puppet, I'll give you a little taster. He's missing his back legs. And oh, that's okay. Not a, that's not a budget constraint. Mm-hmm. At least that's not what I've been told. That's more of um, an artistic choice because what we require as theatre makers is for the audience to bring their imagination to it because that's so much more rewarding than being sort of spoon-fed a story. That's that's clear. We, none of us want that, and we shouldn't um, we shouldn't think that kids need that. We um, we demand of any age audience member for their imagination, for their focus, for their concentration to sort of really invest in the story. So that is to be engaged, to listen, to sort of soak it up. I don't think they need to hear it from me, though. I think they're just instinctively <laughs> very good at that. It's maybe people my age that would struggle more. 
Fantastic. I, I think um, I, I'm, I'm really excited to come and see this production uh, at the Alexandra. I was very young when I first saw uh, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe on stage. And it was in central Birmingham that I saw it. And I think I saw one of the Narnia books at the Hippodrome and one of the Narnia books at the Alexandra. And I, I just remember badgering my family to take me. Uh, and I'm sure it was probably quite expensive at the time, but I, I um, was so thrilled to be able to go and see it. So that's one of the reasons I'm very much looking forward to uh, sure. seeing it. And look how you're living your life now. It's obviously, that obviously had a big impact as well. And, oh, um, my, mother will, my mother will tell you that um, it, she's responsible for me being so excited about theatre and passionate about it. Um, well and it's a brilliant opportunity just to just to be able to go out there and review all these things is just such a fantastic thing to do um and just share my excitement as well and to be able to pick and choose like this um i i saw that line the witch and the wardrobe was on this list uh for this season uh probably about six months ago and i was like right i am determined to move everything to make sure i'm going to be free on the the night that you guys come to birmingham um, to come and see this, so it's a wonderful opportunity to do that as well. Um, you can see this production of The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe at the Alexandra from today as we broadcast this interview, which is the 8th of March, uh, and it's here until the 12th of March, and the tour uh, is on until the 7th of May. You can get tickets at atgtickets.com, uh, just search uh, Alexandra Theatre and then The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, and then you go to lionwitchonstage.com and you'll find more details of the production there as well. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me about this today. Ah, it's a pleasure, Dave. Thanks. Your your excitement is palpable. We can't wait to play for you next week. Oh, I'm right. In fact, tonight. Um, it will be. Yeah, I will be tonight. After I've pressed, I've after I've pressed pause on this today. Um, it will be tonight, and I'm just, as I say, really thrilled to be doing that. Um, have a have a fantastic week in Birmingham, and thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us. Thanks again, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on your podcast app.